Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're with me here today. And today we're going to be talking about uh, various examples of what I could call pedantic atheism or perhaps legalistic atheism. And we're going to bring it all together at the end to make what I hope will be a helpful point to both atheists and theists alike. And so I hope you enjoy the show. A senior at Dyer County High School, she says that her teacher disciplined her after she said bless you when one of her fellow classmates sneezed. Today, I do want to talk about something that could, you know, lately we've we've had some really heavy episodes. We've talked about some Bible passages um, and gone through some commentaries and, and systematic theology and things like that. We've talked about uh, free will, the nature of human freedom, and looked at rationality rules and cosmic skeptics. And so there's been some, uh, some, you know, weighty stuff that we've been discussing. And uh, so I wanted to kind of back up a little bit and go at this from a little bit of a different angle today. This will be a little bit lighter on the philosophy and a little bit lighter on, on that kind of stuff. And I want to talk a little bit about um, some approaches to affecting change that atheists have attempted. Uh, not all atheists are the type of atheist who would do the sort of thing that we're going to talk about here. And I want you to know that if you are one of those kind of people, um, I can't help but that this may come off a little bit as um, personally, uh, well, personal toward you as an individual, but I don't know you. And I doubt that most of the atheists listening are the types that engage in these sorts of practices, but it's, it's, uh, but I, I'm actually not, um, upset with you or trying to say that you're unintelligent or anything like that. I always want everyone that knows that watches my videos that I care about the audience. I really do. Um, and uh, I, I enjoy my atheist friends, and I enjoy interacting with some of the atheists in the in social media. And so I'm not targeting you as an audience member. I don't know you, but I do think we can learn something about how to have conversations with people that engage in certain practices that reveal to us a little bit about where they're coming from. So uh, I don't want to bury the lead too much, but I'm going to unpack that more at the end of this as we walk through some of these things. All right, so the first thing that we're going to do today is we're going to take a look look at um, uh, an, a video that is, uh, you can probably tell from what's going on here, a person showing you how to mark off in God we trust off of cash and uh, why that's important and, uh, and, and uh, a little bit about that. So let's, let's, uh, let's take a look at this. There, there is a, there are, apparently there is a number of, there are a number of atheists who engage in this sort of a uh, a practice pretty regularly. In fact, as I'm looking at this, I didn't even see this before, but uh, over here to the right, you see this coin here. You may not be able to see it, but that's actually uh, someone showing you how to get in God we trust off of coins too. So um, interesting, interesting uh, way of going at trying to affect change in the world by just taking a Sharpie and marking it off the cash. So let's go ahead and, and, and take a look at this video. I'll link it in the description. Cash comes with a little problem that makes it dirty. And I'm a clean kind of guy. I like to clean things up. I enjoy cleaning up big messes. And this is one. I like to clean up the mess caused by our Congress many years ago, back in the 50s, when they created a law respecting an establishment of religion. You might recognize that phrase from the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. It's a fact. They made a law that was specifically outlawed, word for word, in the Constitution. <laughs> and the Supreme Court doesn't mind that violation of the law. So I say cleanse that money. Clean that unlawful phrase off of there by marking it out just the way Let's I've done do it. here. Very simply and very quickly. No fuss, no muss. 
Yes, individuals are protected in their right to express their religion. But in the case of In God We Trust on Our Money, that is not an individual expression. That is the government's expression. And that is not protected. Anyway. All right. So so we have here the removal of In God We Trust off of uh, currency. Um, now, you might think, oh, Braxton, are you going to challenge the legalities of this or the politics of this or anything like that? Nope. It's not the interest I have here. Uh, and I'm not upset that this is going on. You might, people sometimes try to guess your motives, which is always a risky game to play. But people think, well, you're, you're making a video like this because you got a dollar bill like this where it was marked out and you're upset about it and, and angry. And so you're trying to get us atheists. You're trying to manipulate us into stopping this. No, have at it. Uh, I've heard some atheists say that they deal in, uh, maybe in the comments sections of this video, but um, I, I, at least one atheist I saw, he said he works at a place where he deals with a lot of cash and he s spends part of every day doing this. I mean, it's just a, it's a part of his uh, way of protesting and uh, is to mark this, this off of here. And um, I heard uh, Seth Andrews and Matt Dillahunty in another video that we're going to look at in just a minute, not about this issue, but in that same video, they discussed this sort of thing. And... Um, Dillahunty, I think, said something like that. He doesn't personally do it, but hey, if it affects one person, then then that's great. Um, the, but but this is an interesting thing. I, I mean, what what I mean, a person who what does it tell us about someone who would take a whole day or you know spend a good deal of time or just make it a regular practice to to do something like this? Um, whether or not it's uh, you know effective or not, it tells me that we're talking about a person who feel strongly enough about their position that they're willing to spend this much time not even sending them, not even, you know, writing out their own message, but just removing a message in God we trust. Let's move on and see the next thing that we're going to take a look at. Uh, this is from a video called A Skeptical Christmas with Seth Andrews and Matt Dillahunty. By the way, I don't, I try, you know, here lately I've had, I think, two recent videos with Matt Dillahunty. Um, and I, I'm not trying to go out and look for Matt Dillahunty videos. It's just that uh, of, you know, YouTube atheists that are out there, a lot of the stuff that he talks about is the stuff that kind of interests me uh, to get the atheist perspective on. And so he shows up a lot. But here they are talking about Bibles in hotel rooms, Gideon's Bibles in hotel rooms. Here's what Dillahunty has to say. <laughs> um, Jeff D had suggested on an episode of the nonprofits that people play hide the Bible. And so if mm -hmm. I go into a hotel room, and, and I'm thinking about it. I don't do this every time, all the time. But if I find a Bible, it's usually there's a Gideon Bible in the nightstand or whatever. We hide it. And there, are, there were people that would actually email nonprofits and say, you know, we went into the hotel room and we were looking for the Bible and we couldn't find it. And we found where somebody hid it. Oh, uh, really? And oh, I, thought, I mean, you're not defacing property. It's no. clever. It's kind of funny. I mean, I get that. Well, and technically, the Gideons leave them there for you. And you could... Any Bible that you find in a hotel that's placed by the Gideons, you're, it's perfectly acceptable to actually just take it. They, oh, really? will, they will come around and replace it. Um, this is their way of getting Bibles into people's hands. This is the version. This is like a long version of Chick Tracks that yeah. they just leave. for. Has anyone ever in a hotel room actually ever read the Bible? Or the, I, know, I always say the Book of Mormon because Mary got properties her own mm -hmm. by a Mormon. And he includes the book, which was a surprise to me, right? I, uh, we were staying in a Marriott property, and I was like, the Book of Mormon? Okay, so... Um, the th this one's very interesting to me. In fact, this video was the impetus for um, for me making this video. Back uh, in December, I saw this, or I guess, yeah, sometime in December, I saw this video, and I thought, this is so baffling to me because 
it, when we're talking about this kind of pedantic atheism that says anytime something comes into my personal sphere that uh, conflicts with my worldview or that I have a strong reaction to, I, I need to address it. Um, there, there are Christians that way too, by the way. In fact, I originally was going to title this episode uh, legalistic atheism, because within Christianity, we have this this idea of legalism, which um, uh, there, we could talk about theological, you know, legalistic according to law and stuff like that. But, but what legalism has come to mean in churches today is when you have certain kinds of Christians who it, it's, it's about don't do this. You know, it's a list of don'ts. So we never go see R-rated movies. And then, of course, The Passion of the Christ comes out, and it's R-rated, and nobody knows what to do. And am I allowed to go see it? I thought I wasn't allowed to go see R-rated movies, right? Uh, this legalism that as long as you don't do X, you're right with God, which is can, can be helpful in, in any worldview. Uh, making a list of don'ts is not intrinsically a negative thing. I mean, uh, you have to do that sometimes to to make progress. And in terms of Christianity, there are some don'ts for us that that we try to practice that help us develop in our process of, in our minds, becoming more and more like what Christ wants us to be, right? But there is this legalism that says things like, don't ever go see an R-rated movie, don't ever listen to secular music, except for the Beatles and Elvis, because, I mean, come on, right? Uh, you know, so... <laughs> These these kinds of these kinds of things are, are very uh, interesting. Uh, this legalism that that emerges, and the, the thing that we find objectionable about it is, first of all, it, it doesn't deal with the heart issue. It doesn't deal with the bigger issues. It tries to protect one from, um, you know, from the world, basically. And in atheism, you get this kind of legalism as well. Not with everybody, maybe not even with the majority, but with certain individuals, you get this legalism that says, if anything comes into my sphere, just like with the legalistic Christian, if anything culturally comes into my sphere that conflicts at all, or is not consistent with or comfortable with my worldview, then I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to address it. I've, I've got to confront it. And uh, I can't stand for it. I've got to do something. I get that. We should have conversations about those things. And I have no problem with things like peaceful protest. But let's think about this issue with the Gideon's Bible. So the idea is, well, you could you could write some stuff in it or you could leave a you know a, uh, an atheist message in it so that when people open it up they'll see it and they'll um, and they'll be confronted with with this side of things aside from just the Bible. Some people I've heard say they go through and they they make like a, a map in your Bible by you know telling you which verses to turn to that have the most horrendous sounding things uh, in the Bible. And by the way, for the comment section after this video is over, we have videos on all that stuff or most of that stuff. Uh, so, but, but, you know, they'll, they'll make a map for that in the Bible. What Dillahunty is saying is you don't, don't do any of that. I mean, you, you could take the Bible home. I mean, it is, the Gideons want you to have it, but instead hide the Bible in the room. Now, I think this is a very interesting concept that I'm actually in favor of. And I'll tell you why it completely works against what the atheist wishes to accomplish here. So you, so I imagine people in the hotel room, atheist is in the hotel room. I'm going to hide this Bible. So they hide it. And um, the Gideons come along and they don't see the Bible in the hotel room. It's not like they know it's there, so they're not going to replace it because it's still in the hotel room technically because they've got a Bible radar where they know it's still in the hotel room. So uh, we're not going to replace it, but uh, no, they're going to replace it. If they don't see it, they're, they're going to have it replaced. So uh, then you hide that one. 
Okay, then then uh, we put another one there. We replace that one. So that at the end of this chain, every drawer, every refrigerator, everything that someone opens in the room, a Bible's going to fall out. Uh, that person is surely going to think that God is trying to send them a message or something, right? So uh, I'm not sure how this helps your cause. I, I really don't don't see it there. Uh, but the very idea, like, um, y- y- like th- this uh, company that owns a hotel ch- chooses to allow a Bible to be placed there. I, they're talking about the Book of Mormon being in some hotel rooms too. A few years ago, uh, when I was uh, working with the Southern Baptist Convention, I went ahead of the Southern Baptist Convention's annual meeting in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and I stayed in Scottsdale at a place that had the Book of Mormon and the Bible in, in the drawer. You know what I thought? I thought, this is really interesting, and I made sure it was okay, and I took the Book of Mormon. Uh, not to prevent someone else from seeing it. I know it's going to get replaced, but because I didn't have a copy of the Book of Mormon and I wanted to have a copy. So if it's there to evangelize me, uh, then okay, I'm open to being evangelized. I'm not afraid, and I'm not saying that many atheists are. I think some are. I'm not afraid of uh, information. I'm not scared of of, the information uh, being present in a room. Uh, not for me, not for anyone else, because I'm happy for Christianity to be to compete in the marketplace of ideas, uh, because I think that it's going to I think that Christianity is going to uh, be perfectly fine there. I think it's going to win the day. So I don't have a problem with that. I think Christianity is the most defensible worldview. So I'm fine with multiple messages being on offer. Uh, someone recently asked me, why do you why are you against profanity on your podcast that you bleep things out? And why do you, uh, when you see them sometimes, erase comments that have profanity in them? Um, And I told them it's because when I'm dead and gone, perhaps this YouTube channel remains and my daughters are going to read through this. And someone said, or even now my daughters could read through this because my daughters are both on YouTube and I want them to be okay reading, uh, going to their dad's videos. And, and someone tried to give me this lecture about how, uh, you know, you can't protect your kids from, from the world and you can't protect your kids from foul language and they're going to hear it anyway and it's actually good for you and blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, that's fine. I'm not trying to protect. I'm not trying to insulate my kids from ever seeing foul language. I'm trying to send a message to my kids that in our family, we are presenting you with, for your consideration, kids, we're presenting you with a way of life that is not the same as the way of life that you're going to get in the world. It's different in some important and meaningful ways. It's different in terms of decency as we understand it. Uh, It's different in terms of the language that we use, the way that we act, the things we engage in. Now, if you don't like that, that's fine. I'm not telling you how to raise your kids. Um, And when my kids leave my house, like right now, both my kids are in public school. We used to homeschool them. now they're in public school. And guess what? I know that they encounter language. I know that they encounter uh, non-Christian and even anti-Christian rhetoric. I'm fine with that. I don't want to insulate my kids from that. I want them to understand that in our household, we present a certain way of life. We present certain values. And I want them then to compare the values that they encounter out in the world with the values illustrated at home. I want my kids to to uh, be, con- my kids have heard more about atheistic arguments from me at this point than they ever did, than they ever will probably from uh, kids at school, because I know those arguments better than the kids that they go to school with. So, um, so, so the, the bottom line is I, we're not afraid as Christians. We're not, we're not afraid of, eh, some Christians are, but the, um, the presence of information that we've got to hide it away somewhere. And I'm not saying that Dylan Hunty is either, 
but he is advocating for or at least presenting the concept of hiding the Gideon Bible, which again uh, is odd to me considering the fact that all you're going to end up doing is creating a hotel room that is chock full of Gideon Bibles. Hypothetically, I mean, how many atheists are going to stay in the same hotel room and engage in this practice? I'm just saying if it were successful and taken to its logical conclusion, right, you got a hotel room chock full of Gideon Bibles. Very interesting. All right. uh, But it it does get to, there are certain people, and I, I know Dylan Hunty is not this person, but there are certain people that rather than engaging in that dialogue, or on top of engaging with that dialogue, the, the goal is actually to silence um, or remove the information uh, that, so that it's not available. Uh, that brings us to the next thing. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this clip from a local news station, and it gets a little more serious here. And then I want you to um, draw your own conclusions. And this is from several years ago. People sometimes say, well, are you going back and getting, you know, comments from the amazing atheist or from uh, other atheist advocates or news stories or whatever from five, six years ago or more? Um, You know, because, because these things are still going on and this is a great example of it. Maybe it's a better example of clearly articulating the problem than I can find uh, right now. But these things are obviously still going on. Here we go. She was standing up for her religious beliefs in the classroom after breaking a class rule by saying, bless you, to another student. It's a story we received tips about online, and tonight we're learning more. WMC Action News 5's Michael Clark live with what he knows so far. Michael? Yeah, Ursula Kendra Turner is a senior at Dyer County High School. She says that her teacher disciplined her after she said bless you when one of her fellow classmates sneezed. Turner feels her teacher was taking issue with her religion. When she stood up for herself, Turner says she was told to go to the administrator's office and later placed in in-school suspension for the rest of that class period. Her pastor tells me students had just talked about how to stand up for their faith last week in church. There were several students that were talking about this particular um, faculty member there that was very demeaning to them in regards to their faith. A student sent me this picture. It shows a list. By the way, I I want you to notice this is the list of things that allegedly that the teacher was saying you're not allowed to say in our classroom. Um, Dumb. Okay, that's fine. Boring. Okay, that's fine. Stuff. All right. Be more articulate. I don't know. (laughs) Now, that's interesting, right? Um, There are certain people in the atheist community that would not uh, agree with that, right? Because I don't know is sometimes the most honest thing you can say. I agree. Uh, Other peer pressure, uh, other peer expressions, other peer expressions. I don't know. I need more information on that. Uh, below bless you is hang out. And then I can't read the rest of the list, but uh, bless you right there in the middle. But I think it's interesting that I don't know is on there. So that you, if you really don't know, you, I don't know, maybe they're saying you need to go do some more research. Uh, so you can address that. I don't know. I have sympathies with that, too. Let's continue. List of words the student claims the teacher does not allow in the classroom. You can see bless you is on the list. Turner's parents tell me school leaders claimed the outburst was a classroom distraction that Turner shouted bless you across the room. I've talked to Turner and will be interviewing her within the hour. Okay, so uh, a couple of things I want to say about this. First of all, if the student was, see, I don't know the details, but if the student was genuinely uh, being a problem, like, they like it's one thing to say oh bless you it's another thing if you then uh decide to you know get on a bully pulpit and preach against the teacher and and you know getting in the way of class or something i I don't know all the circumstances uh but here's the here's the bottom line first of all there are other examples of this even among students it's one thing when the teachers 
express faith or advocate for faith, that's a whole other discussion that I'd like to have as well. But when students are doing it, it's a little strange to try to silence that, unless there are extenuating things that I don't know about, like uh, it was like, okay, gotcha, freedom to express that. And then she just kept on, you know, becoming a problem for the class. Okay, I can, I can see that. Uh, but, but the bottom line is you have people that are upset with any expression of faith within a culture, like saying something like bless you, which I know the history behind bless you. Okay. That's not the point. The point is it's getting a little bit silly here, folks. It's getting a little bit silly. First of all, I think this too kind of works against what you're trying to accomplish. If you're the person trying to get people to stop saying bless you, uh, or at least in government institutions, the thing about it is when, when you when you do that, what, what's going to happen is what has happened here, where the student is going to look like a martyr to the community. Now, I understand that the atheist would say, hold on a second. We're the ones who are marginalized. We're the ones that uh, don't have a voice. We're, we're the minority, uh, you know, worldview, uh, whether or not you consider yourself a worldview. Right. We're, we're the ones who get discriminated against. OK, but when you when something like this happens, what it starts to look like is that the Christian is being marginalized and the Christian is being persecuted. And guess what? That that works. That backfires. That kind of works against you. Um, and th there there are a lot of examples of atheists saying, look, I'm tired of this. God bless you stuff or bless you or whatever. But it, it, it really does get a little bit silly. And the idea that we're going to change the culture at large by creating policies and create and 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 change people's you know moral expressions and religious expressions and change the culture um, so that people are more tolerant by changing laws and policies. I guess it's been a year or two years ago. Whenever Starbucks, a Starbucks employee, really messed up by. Um, getting on to two African-American guys, I think, uh, for uh, because they weren't buying anything. They were just using the restroom, but they were waiting there to meet someone, if I'm remembering the story correctly. And so uh, what what happened? What was the thing that, that took place the next day? Well, we, we got to we got to close down these Starbucks and have a day of, you know, training about this and create new policies no, you don't need to create new policies. I mean, that's fine. Do that if that's what if that makes you feel better. But no, what's going to happen is not more policies, more laws to try and fix all this and force people to act a certain way. No, let people be human. People should have people should use some common sense. People should use some people should think like humans and think through things and think okay, is this a place where I follow the letter of the law and act legalistically or is this a place where no, instead what I do is I, I try to be a human being to another person. These guys are waiting on someone. Uh, that's fine. They they can use the bathroom. They can they can wait for their friend here. It doesn't matter that they're not, you know, it's not the end of the world. They're not buying something. I mean, be a human being. Uh, Donald J. Johnson has a book called How to Talk to a Skeptic. And he talks about this very issue. At one point, um, he's talking about, and I'm going to mess the details up on this, but there's uh, there was a girl who hit a home run in a baseball game or a softball game or something. And everybody was excited for her because, I don't know, maybe she was the runt of the team or something. Everyone was excited for her. Even the other team was excited for her. Everyone was so thrilled. And as she was uh, bringing it home, she was, you know, giving high fives to her teammates and even to the other teammates and stuff like that. When she got to the end, she, she got the home run, but then it was disqualified because uh, there's a rule that you can't touch anybody else while you're running, you know, your home run or something. And so this girl that everybody was cheering for now, you know, come on. Okay. If it's, 
some kind of major league game or something. Okay, whatever. But we're talking about a little girl playing a softball game. Get over it. You know, be a human being. Understand this problem with legalism is a big problem. And whether we're talking about uh, policies that are that we're trying to create to shape uh, a mindset in a, in, in a community or whether we're talking about someone saying bless you in class. We've got to be careful that we don't suck the humanity out of things. Uh, and don't. And so there's two things going on here at play. One is, is there an attempt to silence um, any talk of faith or expression of religion by students? Uh, and, and I don't think in general, in a big way, that's happening. But but where it happens, it's it's kind of ridiculous, and it's it's not the way to have these. We're not. We shouldn't be afraid of having these kind of dialogues. And secondly, is this legalism that forgets that people are people. And we, we, should, we should not try to fix everything with more policies and laws. We should try to be human beings to one another. So, uh, so that, that's another issue here. And so here's the thing. Uh, most of the people that you're going to inter- encounter are not the people that are engaging in this sort of thing. So here's a message to the Christians. So to the Christians that might be viewing a video like this, most of the people that you're encountering are not going to be these people right? These are the atheist popularizers, most of the, or agnostic in Bart Ehrman's case, whatever. But most of the people you're encountering are not, are not these people. You know who else they're not going to be? The atheist that you're going to encounter? They're also not going to be this person, the person who wears this, I even have the following name, atheist t-shirt. The person who is very much like some, not all, uh, atheist YouTube type people in the comments section. Um, th- th- these are not the people that most of you are going to encounter doing apologetics or doing evangelism in your day-to-day lives. You know who you're going to encounter? Everyday people who don't have an ax to grind about this. They just genuinely have, have stopped believing in God for whatever reason, or they're experiencing doubt, or they're on the fence or something, and they're not, hey, debate me on this, and they're not, you know, marking out in God we trust. So what about those kind of people that are doing those things? The people that are doing those things, um, those kinds of people, and you're in the audience, there are some like that who are viewing this video. I get that. And I'm not trying to be offensive toward you. In fact, I want to be sympathetic to something. This is a person who has their atheism has become a part of their identity. I'm often told by atheists that atheism isn't anything more than a lack of belief in God, right? I just don't believe in God. I remain unconvinced of God, right? So I don't believe in God, and in that sense, I'm an atheist, but I just, it's not, I'm saying God doesn't exist. I just lack a belief, and that's all it is. It's not a worldview. It's not a, I've got a video on that, but it's not a worldview. It's not, it's not a statement about anything else. Fair enough. However, for a person who's engaging in these kind of things, this pedantic uh, level of activity, um, for a person like that, and, and I'm fine, you know, go ahead and, uh, you know, mark off the In God We Trust. Take the Gideon Bibles. It's what they're there for. Um, I try not to say, I would try not to say God bless you to an atheist to try and make a point or something. Um, but, but that kind of a person, it has become, their atheism has become very much a part of who they are, an important, meaningful part of who they are, to the degree that they're going to go further than most people who simply lack a belief. Now, here's what that means for Christians engaging with such a person. 
it means for, and you might say, well, why are you talking to the Christians? Well, based on a recent poll <laughs> that atheists may not or may or may not have largely participated in on YouTube, the, the majority of our viewership is still Christian. It's just that atheist commenters are probably the loudest. And that's fine. Go, go for it. But um, that kind of a person, it has become such a part of who you are, so meaningful to you, such a cause for you. Uh, for that kind of person that I think we got to be careful how we approach it. So uh, if you take counseling classes, then you'll discover that one of the things that when you do counseling adolescence, uh, one thing you got to understand is that if you want to shut down a teenager real quick to where they are going to be way less receptive to what you have to say, start criticizing or making fun of their music. You should never do that. And the reason is because even if they're listening to music that has really negative uh, messages that are perhaps impacting um, their thinking, and, and we want to we want to deal with that eventually. People consider music to be a v very much a part of who they are. It's an interesting thing. It's a kind of mysterious thing about music. I I'm this way too. Um, but, it, but whatever your favorite group is, or band is, or whatever, or, or style of music, that can become very intri intricate to who you are. Integral is the word I'm looking for to who you are as an individual. Um, the same with friends, who your friends are. See, both of these things get very sticky when you're dealing with teenagers because they may have an influence, whatever your worldview is, they may have an influence that is absolutely destructive. And so it becomes very difficult to try to figure out how do I deal with and call attention to uh, that fact without insulting or uh, mocking or something, a, a, a relationship that is a part of their identity. When you get to an atheist who is, um, and this is true for Christianity too, I'm, everything I'm saying to you I could say to a Christian and is to a certain degree true about me, right? Uh, so I don't want to be a hypocrite about this. It's true about me to a certain degree. But when you start, you got to be careful how you deal with someone who has this degree of dedication because atheism has become um, a part of their identity to such a degree that when you insult it, there it's difficult to separate that from you're insulting them. Now, with such a person, here's my advice, and, I, and, and I'm not saying this is always going to be the case. This is my recommendation, that when you're talking to someone like that, you need to recognize that the arguments and evidences, it's going to be very difficult uh, to have a, a, a meaningful conversation with someone who has their dug in to that degree. With a Christian, this could be true of someone who says, I just take it all on faith. I, I was raised this way. This is what I believe. I don't need facts and evidence. I just take this all on faith, and I don't care what you have to say about it. Okay, you're as an atheist, you're probably going to have a hard time with a person like that. In the other direction, with a person to, to this that has this level of dedication to their atheism, however you got there, you understand, I'm not saying that you are in that position because something bad happened to you or someone hurt you or, or something like that or some issue with your parents. I'm not saying that. That may have played a role. None of us are completely non-biased, but let's just say you came to this completely by virtue of looking at the evidence and finding that the evidence for theism wasn't good and you should be an atheist. Okay, let's, let's grant you all of that. A person who has gotten to this level of dedication and has taken it on as a real important part of their identity, um, I'm not that there's a level of being dug in there that I'm not sure arguing the evidence and stuff is going to be as helpful. I think we should be happy to present it. But my advice to Christians would be be a good friend to that person, love them and share the gospel with them in a loving, non-condescending way um, as much as you can. 
And um, over time, they're aware that you're open to talking about this. But this is a kind of person that I think there's something deeper uh, happening here it, it, because it becomes something that is personal in a unique way. And it can be, uh, they can take a lot of what you say personally. There are Christians that are that way, that um, they're going to take what you say personally. I have to struggle against that in the comment sections, frankly. Someone recently got upset with me. I, I have a longstanding rule. If you begin your comment with an insult, if you begin your comment with an insult, or you use foul language, especially toward Christians, okay, I'm going to assume you're not really wanting to have a meaningful conversation. And your comment may get deleted by me or one of the other admins. I just recently had someone who called me a wolf in sheep's clothing, which is particularly interesting because they're impugning my motives and they don't know my motives. And uh, an atheist who I actually really like, and I think I'd pinned this person's comment because they were saying how, even though they disagree, they like that I try to be charitable and stuff, um, said, why, why, why did this guy's comment get deleted? He was trying to be polite. I mean, he was saying you're a wolf in sheep's clothing, but he was trying to say it in a polite way. <laughs> it's like, well, okay, here's the thing. How you can say that, how that you can hold in, in one hand at the same time, wolf in sheep's clothing and polite is, is uh, very strange to me. But here's the thing. The bottom line is uh, I want to have meaningful conversations that are charitable. I realize that some people are going to spout off and, and that's fine. But if you wonder why I don't engage with certain comments or why certain comments just get deleted uh, because they're just frankly overboard, offensive, over the top, it's because yeah, I don't, I don't, I think what we're talking about here is a person who, for whom this has become an emotionally involved part of their identity. And they may have valid reasons for being emotionally upset about this, but that's not a person that I'm going to be able to probably get through, um, uh, to. So I'm, I'm here. I'm happy to answer questions, but, uh, but, but that's where we are with that sort of thing. Now, if you're the kind of atheist, to the atheist, I want to say, if you're the kind of atheist that is marking off in God we trust and hiding the Gideon's Bibles, and you get bothered when people say, bless you, because it indicates an antiquated, uh, you know, part of uh, the history of American culture, um, there, there's a part of me that, that struggles to identify because um, I'm not going through what you're going through. And perhaps if I was, I would feel the same way. Uh, for me, uh, you know, uh, I don't believe in Thor, but yet I still call Thursday, Thursday, right? For the most part, we all are kind of on the same page with that. So it's not really a threat to anything about us or our way of life. It doesn't get in the way. It doesn't cause any problems. And okay, that's, that's fine. But, but the point is I'm not bothered by the Book of Mormon either, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, but that's me. That may not be you. Um, so to, to people that are in, in your position, I want you to know, I care about you. I'm not out to get you. And if, if that makes you feel better, okay, fine. But um, consider that if this has become this important, this much of an important part of your identity, it may be difficult for some, uh, for some of us to have meaningful conversations with you um, without it being personal. Without, because I think that people tend to make these things very, very personal in that way. And I understand, I understand. But uh, let me know what you guys think. Put it in the comments and I'll see you next time on Trinity Radio.